back to Porcelain P. What up? Um, the Strange and Scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all the weird stuff in between. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Perez, and I'm joined by... John Brasher, yeah. Yeah, and it is Christmas Eve. Woo-hoo! So happy holidays or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people don't celebrate Christmas. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, ha- anything, so. happy nothing or everything or whatever it is that you personal- personally yeah. subscribe to. Or Festivus. For the rest of us? <laughs> Today we are going to be talking about Black Christmas, the original, and Black, Black Christmas. Xmas. <laughs> yeah, so I noticed that too. But then when you look it up, it's spelled out. Yeah, all of the uh, all of like the promotional material, like the posters and everything, had Black Xmas, and some of them actually just had Christ X'd out, and that was the that was the poster. So either way, it's a remake. It's edgy. It's mid-2000s edge. <laughs> so we're going to talk about those two and compare and contrast them. But before we do that, John has some news for us. Awesome. So there's been quite a few little things dropping here and there over the course of the last like week or so. Uh, there was a trailer that just dropped for uh, the new Men in Black movie starring uh, Chris Hemsworth and uh, Tessa Thompson, which... I'm down for more of that. I loved their, I loved their characters and the way that they intermingled in Thor Ragnarok. So I think that it would definitely be entertaining to see what they bring to, in my opinion, what's pretty much a dead franchise. I still, there's still a little part of me that really wants that crossover with with Twenty One Jump Street, but I think that this will this will be enough of that middle ground for me as far as getting some of the comedic relief in there and and having it be a little more entertainment value. Yeah, and it's kind of a sequel in a way, yes, because isn't Tessa Thompson in Men in Black 3? I guess. Yeah. Loosely connected. Yeah, maybe. So that's cool. There was a fairly successful uh, film festival movie that uh, floated around to a couple of different film festivals. Uh, more of like the like horror meta-comedy uh, genre. Uh, and it's actually now live on Shudder. Uh, you Might Be the Killer. Uh, it ha- I don't think it's gone to any other streaming service up to this point. Uh, so the fact that Shudder is getting these bigger releases like Mandy a few a few weeks ago, and now this, I-, I think that it definitely shows that they're going out there and trying to get you know bigger films, you know, and try to get some more exclusivity so that way people you know will flock to the service. And I mean, as a person who you know pays my five dollars a month every every month to get that service, I definitely like having. Some things that are exclusive just to Shutter, so that way I have something to enjoy. Some similar to how you know some of the best programming on Netflix or Hulu are their original programming. I want that for Shutter as well. Yeah, I think that's cool too. And that movie, based off the trailer, seems interesting. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of the movie that came out a few years ago called The Final Girls, where they get sucked into the screen mm-hmm. and then they're in a horror movie, and it definitely plays with the tropes. And that sort of thing, and so this one seems like it's um, along that same vein. Yeah, I I definitely love this genre. I mean, being a huge fan of Scream, uh, Cabin in the Woods, you know that. Like I said, that more meta style, more play with, you know, play with the audience rather than against the audience type of uh, type of humor, and even sometimes uh, scares if done correctly. I am all for this type of movie. I'm ready to definitely sit down and watch this. It was I think it was released two or three days ago. So I'm I'm ready. 
Right, yeah, I didn't know that it had come out already. I've been going through the holiday section on Shudder and watching all the Christmas horror movies. Yeah, there's a bunch of good stuff on there. Uh, I want to say they also just released a new um, uh, Joe Bob. They did, yes. Yeah. It was live a couple nights ago. Um, is it uh, all of the – is it um, like Phantom or – Phantasm. Phantasm. So Phantasm 1, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> That's the way you gotta watch movies, you know. Yeah, gotta watch uh, and have somebody in there to give some commentary if the movies aren't very great, and then also just remove the ones that aren't worth watching at all. <laughs> it seems like maybe that's what they did. So that's cool. Yeah. So if you like those Joe Bob Briggs, then uh, that's up now. All right. Did you have any other news? This isn't really necessarily news, but go see Into the Spider Verse if you haven't done it already. It's incredible. And did you guys do a review for that? Uh, yes, we did. I uh, I filmed that review, so if you want to check it out, it's on the Entertainment Vortex on YouTube. Uh, if you want more in-depth information about it. Uh, we don't do spoilers there, so if you haven't seen it already and you just want someone's opinion, come check it out. Uh, the visual style is incredible. The voice cast is incredible. Uh, it's definitely worth the watch, and you want to see it in theaters. All right, cool. Duly noted. In that case, let's get on to on? trivia. Yeah. I decided that maybe what we should do is just do the whole card. Let's just do the whole card for each other. That way we don't do repeats. Yeah. Hit me with a gambit. All right. Here it goes. Tell me when. When. Top or bottom? Top. You know what I am. Oh. Oh, gotcha. Hit me right in the nards. (laughs) Don't need to know that. All right. You ready? C. Let's just go down the list. Let's start with monsters. And let's see. What liquid in Signs from 2002 turns out to be instrumental in defeating the alien invaders? Agua. That is incorrect. Ah, ah just kidding. I was going to say, it is water. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. All right. Monsters to you, sir. All right. In The Birds, 1968, what color is the iconic outfit protagonist Melanie Daniels wears while trapped in Bodega Bay? Blue. That is a negative, sir. I thought that movie was black and white. (laughs) It is green. Uh, That makes sense. Moving on to the gore and disturbing category. Which character is not a protege of Jigsaw? In the Saw series from 2004 to 2017, Amanda Young, Mark Hoffman, Logan Nelson, or Peter Strom? Is it Nelson? It is not. It is Peter Strom. Mm. That would have been my second guess. I have not seen all of the Saw movies. I've seen quite a few of them. I know that Amanda is definitely, definitely a helper. But yeah, I feel like there were some some middle ground territory where Saw got a little little one-dimensional and wasn't something that I was looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, but the definitely something to be said about the first film. I mean, I even see even the first two or three. The first film, definitely, though, it had so much impact and was able to do so much with such a small budget and such an, a relatively unknown cast. Didn't love all the acting, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I like the twist and everything. Yeah. That stuff. All right, cool. So let me get that gory and disturbing from your end. All right. In The Hills Have Eyes, the remake, 
from 2006. What are the names of the two Carter family German shepherds? Sonny and Cher. It's definitely not Sonny and Cher. <laughs> um, it, it is a tale as old as time. Bell? N- uh, you're thinking too, too in-depth. Just think title. Um, Beauty and our Beauty and Beast. <laughs> okay. Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> Sebastian's not in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, man. Here we go. Psychological. At the 75th Golden Globe Awards, Get Out from 2017 <laughs> was nominated for Best Motion Picture in what category? At the Golden Globes? Yeah. Um, it was comedy musical, wasn't it? That is correct. Yeah, I don't know if I would have... Ooh, actually, you know what? It's musical or comedy. <laughs> Get out of here with that garbage. Semantics. Words don't control me. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think that... It's a little... don't know where to put stuff because the Martian one... Best musical or comedy of the year it came out? I mean, The Martian had some pretty funny moments, though. Uh, yeah, but would you categorize them? I'm going to science comedy? the shit out of this. <laughs> All right. Hit me with that uh, psychological there, Jen. What is the name of the isolated island upon which The Wicker Man, 1973, oh, is God. set? Dr. Moreau. It is definitely <laughs> not Dr. Moreau. It is Summer Isle. So, yeah, huh? Alright. Next one is Paranormal. Oh my god. In the Ring from 2002. This is going to be a tough one for you. How many days after watching the Sinister videotape does one meet their doom? I'm thinking of Fortnite? No. Seven days. Seven days. It's definitely seven days. Yes, that is correct. Alright. Let me get my Paranormal question. (laughs) Uh, in the Amityville Horror 1979, which character becomes obsessed with cutting firewood? Um, the dad. I have a specific name here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lutz. You have the last name? Papa Lutz. (laughs) I don't know. Do Do you remember what his first name is? Ryan Reynolds. If this is from 1979, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds Lutz. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds Lutz. I don't know. Uh, his first name is George. I'm going to give it to you, though, because you were, you were all up in it. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I don't think I've seen the original. No. I mean. But whatever. Whatever, man. Okay, here we go. Killer. In The Silence of the Lambs from 91, what kind of beans does Hannibal Lecter say he ate the liver of a census taker? You gave me the easiest card, man. Well, I just picked a random one, man. That is a fava bean. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You're right. All right. Uh, What Lord of the Rings actress played Kristen in The Strangers from 2008? Liv Tyler. It is definitely Liv Tyler. She also played Arwen in the Lord of the Rings film series. I actually just found my movie ticket from The Strangers. Nice, nice. Yeah, from whatever year that was. What year? Uh, 2008. Yeah. Found it. <laughs> All right, last one, and probably the hardest one. International. In A Tale of Two Sisters from 2003, what is the relationship between Yunju 
and Sue Me. Brother and sister? That is a good guess. They are stepmother and stepdaughter. Okay. Yeah, I was shot in the dark. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> yours is much easier for the international section. In Raw 2016, what is protagonist Justine studying to become? Vet? It is indeed a veterinarian. Uh, I remember horses. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. I know that movie is like, pretty well received, but I, didn't, I wasn't really that into it. Mm. But that's just me. Anyway. That's uh, some that's some gnarly stuff in it though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely gets gruesome. If you're into that whole cannibal thing. <laughs> We're gonna talk about something similar to that very shortly. Oh my god. You're really bad at that. I am the worst gambit. I used to be good at that. Alright, so now that we've got the trivia all wrapped up and I'm pretty sure I won that like four to two. That's fair to say. Um, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously me, we're playing a game. Alright, so we are going to get a little uh, introspective, and we're going to take the original Black Christmas and compare it to its remake. So, to start off with, these are incredibly differently paced. Yes. Uh, If you think about, we talked about this while we were watching the original Black Christmas. This came out before Halloween, so there wasn't a lot of groundwork laid. Actually, Halloween picked up a lot of influences from movies of this style. Well, I think especially this one. There was a lot of stuff in this where I was like, that's Halloween. Yeah. That's Halloween. That's Halloween. I mean, obviously, in most cases, Halloween did those things better, in my opinion. But they were still cool to see kind of like the roots, you know. It's been forever since I've seen this movie. So it was definitely a good revisit. Definitely something that I appreciated watching. But it does fall, you know, trapped to, like I said, being one of the first out the gate with this style, and it runs into a lot of really odd pacing issues you wouldn't typically get from this kind of a movie nowadays. Yes, it is off the bat interesting, where it's like, okay, here we go, someone's getting murdered. Yeah. And if you are looking at it next to Halloween, Halloween starts off pretty slowly, Mm. and then builds. This one kind of jumps out the gate at you and then slows down. Yeah. Then picks up and then slows down and then picks up and then slows down. It's sort of this ebb and flow and it's not super interesting. <laughs> yeah. There were – like I said, there are great moments. The The entire concept of the phone calls is incredible and the way that he – the way that – that Billy does it, you know, it's the, you know, you get a kill and then you get a phone call to go with it. Uh, those moments, the the stalking and killing and like all the POV shots and everything, those were pretty revolutionary for their time. And the those moments were always really exciting and it always felt like something was going to spring up and something was going to happen. And then for the most part, it's saved for maybe one or two kills. They were all very spaced apart and that was unfortunate. There... There was some level of comedy to this, though, as well, that I was not anticipating. Because up to that point, most horror films hadn't crossed that line. It was really just, you know, for the most part, psychological or, you know, over-the-top monsters. But it was all usually very melodrama. And this, it had, like, you know, the house mom who, like, you know, was hiding booze everywhere. And there were just the, the fellatio thing. The phone number, <laughs> it's like all these little touches. Like it, it did help 
fill some of the lull a little bit. Just having kind of like that, like, oh, where's she going to find another bottle of booze next? Yeah, that's or, hilarious. Um, but, like I said, those lulls are still there. And it does kind of mess with the pace a little bit. And I feel like they tried to make some of the girls in the house a little more interesting than they really were. Like, they really focused in on the one who had, all like, the alcohol problem. And, like, she wasn't that entertaining to watch. Especially considering they just kill her. Yeah. You know? You don't really, I mean, for me anyway, I didn't really get attached to anything. But before we dive into that, I guess let's let's go back and let's talk about Black, Black Xmas, Xmas <laughs> and the pacing on that. So, for me, I mean, it's very straightforward. You know, we get the opening kill, which is yeah. pretty typical for horror movies since or around that time. And then it kind of just jumps into it, and the pacing's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of strong things about that movie necessarily. It is a pretty straightforward slasher. And, I mean, at least it was, for me, it was entertaining. Yeah. You know? It was like, I mean, it just, it goes. And once it goes, it keeps going and doesn't really let up for pretty much the whole time. Yeah, there's, there, like I said, both of these movies have positives and negatives. Uh, this movie, the like I said, the pacing was a lot more appropriate. Uh, and it does still have some comedic elements to it, but it's definitely not the same. Once you start getting into those early kills and everything, you definitely see pretty quickly that the game has been upped. Like, you don't get as much of the, like, the POV. You get more, you know, creative shots. And the kills, some some of them are, are very gruesome. You know, someone gets their eye plucked out, like, early on. It's like, usually they save that as kind of like the last, like, like the one to kind of twist in your seat like they do with, like, 28 Days Later. But this one, he just reaches in there, pops an eye out. Uh, and this one has uh, an actual backstory for Billy, which is, it is what it is. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's not the best. It's not the worst. It definitely gives the character some motivation. But it's still, it doesn't add a whole lot of to the character. The character in the original has a level of mystique. And I like that about that character. You you never really see anything other than the eyes. And so you don't know what's actually happening. But with this one, you really get a lot more about this character. And that story is dark. Yeah. To say the least. Yes. It's, it's messed up on multiple levels. Yes. But, yeah, and so I was just thinking about it right now, and I feel that Halloween sort of compares to... Black Christmas and the Black Xmas sort of reminded me of Rob Zombie's Halloween and the way that we get the backstory of Myers. The time frames are eerily similar too. Yeah. So that was interesting because you don't get a lot of what goes on behind Michael Myers in the original Halloween, but Zombies, you get a whole lot of background, more yeah. so than Black Xmas. So that's interesting to think about. Well, and it's also uh, a stepped-up level of gore as well, too. I mean, because yeah. it rubs on me. What do you yeah. do? <laughs> it kind of plays with the idea that even the newest Halloween explored, where the more you know about the killer, the less interesting it becomes. Mm. You know, it, it takes away that mystery. And so I it was cool that we just don't know anything about Billy, if that's even the killer's name. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like, what he refers to himself that. as. Yeah. yeah. We don't know that for sure. He just says Billy. Yeah. On the phone. But he Billy and Agnes. I don't even think he says his name is Billy necessarily, right? Mm. And so we see parts of him, and then even at the end, you just don't know who it is or if he's dead or what the deal is. Yeah. And so part of it kind of reminded me of Scream, too, where you get parts of that, even Scream 2, where they're in a sorority house, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. They, they, this movie has influenced movies since 100%, without a doubt. And so that was pretty cool to see that the killer didn't have to be this big deal like we make killers now. I feel like slashers since then, the killer becomes more and more important. That's why we get iconic people like Myers and Kruger and Jason and stuff like that. You know, yeah, you have to have something focal to to focus in on. That's the reason why you know why you know Ghostface and yeah. even even some lesser characters like like the Candyman and you know that sort of stuff. Like they there were all these companies all at once that saw how successful. Halloween was and saw how successful Friday the 13th was and saw how successful uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was and they all wanted to rush to almost do what the video game world was doing at the time, which was create a mascot. Everybody needed to have a mascot. So that way they would put butts in seats. And as you can see, that that fizzled out pretty quickly. You know, at this point now, the people who own those mascots are now, you know, struggling to try to figure out what to even do with them anymore. You know, the last outing for Freddy was pretty abysmal, uh, not, uh, notwithstanding his uh, his episode on the Goldbergs. <laughs> it was pretty cool, though. Yeah. Mr. Knifey Hands. <laughs> or something like that, right? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's a good point. But that being said, I did like the backstory that they gave Billy in 2006. Yeah, I don't think it was necessary to make the character interesting. But it was, because of how dark and, and twisted it was, it was definitely entertaining. I just feel like it didn't need to be shoehorned into essentially what works out to be a classic. Yeah. You know, I there, there are things that I would take from the new movie and add it to the old movie. But, like, the acting performances in the old movie were, were perfectly adequate. The, the actual killer was compelling because of how mysterious it was. I just don't, like I said, having the backstory is not a big deal, but like I said, needing the backstory is not, you know, not something that I felt was necessary. No, not necessary. And it did make the movie feel even like a sequel. Yeah. You know, not necessarily a remake because we never see Billy. We don't know how old Billy is necessarily. And sure, they don't mention it in the newer movie, but it feels like he could have killed people in the 70s. Mm-hmm gone away and then come back to kill again and to find Agnes. And I feel like she was probably my least favorite of the two of them. Yeah. Definitely. Like I, I like I said, it's it's back to that having like a layer of mystery to things. The fact that there was this mysterious Agnes character that we didn't know, didn't see, didn't hear anything other than what Billy was saying about in the first movie, it makes it a little weird in the second movie that Agnes is just a full-fledged character, yeah. and it just feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere. I mean, I guess there could have been two killers in the original. We really don't know. This is true. You know what I mean? So that's another thing where it's the mystery is is a big part of it, mm-hmm. and it adds to, to the thrill of that original. And this one, it felt like they took the idea of these phone calls and then wrote the story around that almost. Yeah. 
and I've seen I've seen uh, you know some comments online and from reviews and stuff that said that there wasn't a lot shared between the two movies, and I don't know if that's necessarily true. I feel like it. Well, it doesn't take every single story beat from the original. There are definitely some things that kind of latch up. Uh, you have a character coming from the outside, coming to try to meet with one of the people, but that person is already dead. That motif is still there. That's in both movies. Yeah, that that sets off the first movie. Yeah, pretty much, and it's not as prevalent in the two thousand six one. But it's, but still, it's still there. It. Yeah, and then her character becomes more important because in the original it's someone's dad coming for them. Yeah, and. The remake, it's someone's sister coming for them, and the sister stays on through the whole thing, and she becomes an integral character. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I didn't even put that connection together until you had mentioned it. So I thought, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, some other stuff that they did. I mean, the opening is very similar. You get mm-hmm. somebody killed, wrapped in plastic, and stuck in the attic window. Yeah. You know, that stays the same. When and, you and you brought up that there that there was the crystal unicorn, that was another yeah. thing that tied the two movies together. So it like I said, it definitely pulls its influences. And even one of the characters from the original, yeah, is is, is a, in this movie, yeah, <laughs> as a different character, mm-hmm. but still, could have used that booze though. Could have used that booze. Yes, that was hilarious. So I mean, I at first I was wondering if it was going to be a remake because I saw the remake around the time it had come out. And remember it being a pretty straightforward slasher movie. Yeah. And then I had watched the original a few years back and didn't remember it resembling the two at all. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking that going into this, it was going to be two completely different different movies. And they are very different. But I don't, I think it's more in tone than it is in story. Yeah. Like the way that they tie them together is all very story driven and story based. Uh, but the tone and the pacing are the biggest differences. You know, the tone for the original is a little more ambiguous and a little more kind of think for yourself type of like fill in the blanks type of a territory. Whereas, you know, the other one is a straightforward slasher. The pacing is straightforward slasher. Things are constantly happening to move the plot, the plot forward, but it feels generic because of that. And, I think that's probably my biggest gripe with the remake is just that it it it's pretty generic, you know. Uh some of the kills are cool, some of the acting performances are all right, but it suffers from a lot of the same things that slashers of that era suffered from. Like I said, trying too too hard to make a mascot, trying too hard to make things work in the time frame that they're set in. Uh Looking back at the original, it feels pretty timeless. Like, there's some stuff, like, having, like, the rotary phone and all that business that, that dates it a little bit, but it doesn't feel nearly as dated sitting next to all of the things that they say in the dialogue in the new movie. Like, the new movie, it, you know, it feels very mid-2000s. You know, you have people <laughs> saying things like, the net, and all this other, like, it's just, like, very, like, um, like late 90s, early 2000s schlock in the dialogue. and. I feel like that has aged worse than, you know, just having a rotary phone. And yeah, outside of that kind of stuff, the dialogue's not as bad as this one is. And like you were saying, not as pinpointed into to the dialect of the era. And I think part of my biggest problem, and you, I don't know how you felt about this, with the Black Xmas was they 
sure they showed a lot of kills, but they also did that thing where they cut to objects off to the side and then just show the blood splatter on it. Mm-hmm. They do it a ton. Yeah. And I was like, wow, why? The interesting thing about about the whole development of that movie is that they were on the cusp of being NC-17. They were struggling to keep an R rating because the yeah, no, the the remake. They were struggling oh, no. to keep an R rating and the big problem with that was that they they obviously they wanted to get it in theaters. They wanted to get it in front of as many bodies as humanly possible and without having you know, without you know, without cutting so much of the story that they weren't able to tell what they wanted to. Like, they wanted to show a scene where, like, Billy has sex with his mom and shit. They wanted to show that on screen, but that was going to push them over the edge to NC-17. And I think if they'd gone too far into the Gort category, you know, I mean, they showed cannibal cookies. They showed fucking <laughs> uh, the eyeballs. You know, they showed all kinds of crazy stuff. But if they'd gone too far and they'd showed every kill... They would have gone too far into that territory and had to go NC-17. That seems so strange to me because I feel like that movie's pretty tame in comparison to the way things are now. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. I feel like we are more desensitized as a as a a horror enjoying audience nowadays, just based on the things that we get from indies. Indies have changed the game immensely. You know, things that are just you know that just get released to you know a few conventions and to some, you know, film festivals and then come to us through applications or whatever. There's definitely less middleman to get in the way of you seeing the most, you know, ridiculous things you could possibly see. (laughs) And it's not, not all necessarily about ratings and stuff as well. Some of it is just like budgeting, you know, if you do some like cutaway to a blood splatter or whatever, you don't have to show a practical effect to go with it. And Especially in an era where a lot of people were spending more and more money on digital effects, like the more you could cut out like effects here and there would be something that would happen a little more frequently. Whereas most movies will get kind of like lambasted for that now, uh, not showing you know what needs to be showed because essentially when you're showing a blood splatter, you're telling more than you're showing, and that's you know that's m- movie uh, sin number one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I think that that's one of the things that this movie does cool is that when they do show the kills or when they do show some of the gruesome stuff, it is practical. Yeah. You know? And now we do get digital effects for a lot of stuff, even sometimes where it seems unnecessary. Where it could have been easily a, a practical effect and it would have looked more realistic. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially, I mean, cause some of the greatest practical effects artists of all time are still alive and kick and still doing cool, cool stuff. So not employing them and not, you know, getting them on your movie is, is, is pretty blasphemous in most cases nowadays. Yeah. Especially one like that, but they probably didn't want to jump onto a remake of a classic. Yeah, definitely. Would not doubt that. But who, who knows? But I feel for me anyway, and I don't know how you feel about the situation, but I think that I enjoyed Black Xmas just a bit more. I feel like they're comparable in each other, and they're both decent. They're both fine for me anyway. But I guess maybe since I grew up around the time when Black Christmas was coming out and with that style of slasher, I'm a little bit more partial to that. Mm -hmm. So I I did enjoy that one a a little bit more. I think because the pacing, a lot of the pacing issues with the first one, 
kind of drug down for me. See, I and I feel like I'm a little bit in the other camp. Like I feel like like while there were enjoyable moments and the pacing was definitely better in the remake, I feel like I enjoyed a lot more of the classic elements and more of the mystery that was involved with the original. So I enjoyed that movie a little bit more for me. Like I said, I, I definitely agree that I don't think both of these movies are great movies. Uh, I feel like the remake fell into a lot of a lot of problems that existed in the late 90s and early 2000s movies. You know, it was a time where, you know, Sam Raimi's you know, influence on the genre had already taken place. So, you know, his thing of, you know, you know, relying on Dutch angles and all this other stuff was very prevalent and very overused in these like, you know, quick cut and get them out the door type movies like Black Xmas. I feel like it, like cinematography wise, is jarring at times, and that wasn't something that I was down for. Like I felt like the original had some really new and interesting concepts and you can tell where it's influenced the genre and it's moved things forward. And black Xmas is just kind of there. It was, it was a product of all of the things that existed at that time. It has not influenced anything. It's only taken influences and it didn't necessarily live up to the things that have used those techniques before. Yeah. I think that's a fair point because you are seeing the influences from Black Christmas, mm-hmm. and this one, you're seeing influences in it. On it, yeah, from everything else. Exactly. Even like Scream, where you're getting two killers. You know, they could have done it where it wasn't two killers in mm-hmm. this one, but they probably wanted to jump on that Scream bandwagon. Pretty late, but <laughs> yeah, a little bit late to the party on that one. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Black Christmas was definitely more original between the two, mm-hmm. and the remake could have been called literally anything else mm-hmm. and it would have been the same movie it didn't i feel like they used the name to get that kind of recognition to an extent because like you said there are some connections to yeah it. it it definitely lends some of its plot points uh but for the most part it you know it is it's just same generic you know slasher film yeah I like those. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, like I said, I'm down for the ride. I enjoyed watching both of those movies. I wouldn't say that they're greats. Like, I definitely understand, you know, Black Christmas being an originator of a lot of the things that exist in modern horror culture and modern slasher culture. Uh, but I don't think that. I don't think that it's necessarily anything special. And, yeah. You know, when comparing it to things that did those things but did them way better, like Halloween. Exactly. You know. And there's that whole debacle where supposedly Carpenter called the creator of Black Christmas and was like, hey, if you were going to do it again, how would you do it? And he was like, I'd do it on Halloween. And then Carpenter made Halloween. Yeah. So uh, who knows? Who knows what really happened there? I don't know. I mean, for me, uh, especially when you look at Carpenter's, you know, storied history in cinema, like he's he's reached an untouchable status you know he's up there with your west cravens and your you know i would even say like up there with like your hitchcocks you know as far as like creating you know incredible stories you know not necessarily being tied to genres and yeah. being more about an an atmosphere and an influence than anything else yeah especially with his music and stuff which he still does yeah he's like tours <laughs> which would be rad i would go yeah, see yeah i would i'd Sean be Carver. super down <laughs> 
see him with like the original lineup of the Misfits. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be dope. That'd be too much. That pretty much wraps it up for the compare and contrast between Black Christmas and Black Xmas, as we've been calling it. <laughs> Let us know what you think, though. You could send us an email at wordsforweirdos at gmail.com. And if you want to check us out on Instagram, you can do that, too. We're going to be at wordsforweirdos for right now. And if you want more from Porson Peak, you can visit us at our website on wordsforweirdos.com slash porcelainpeak. So yeah, check us out. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. You know, do all the fun things. Uh, you know, if if you would be willing to give us a rating, you know, uh, and let us know how much you're enjoying it, or if there's any things that you think we can improve on, we're definitely all game for that. And please join us next week. We are going to be talking about some random Twilight Zone episodes. So I'm gonna pick two random ones. John's gonna pick two random ones, and we're just gonna talk about them. Yeah, because it is one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, definitely, like I said, talking about things that have, you know, influenced, you know, a genre or influenced, you know, the medium as a whole. I mean, Twilight Zone is is a huge part of the lexicon as far as both sci-fi and horror, in my opinion. So I think that uh, it's definitely a good thing to talk about, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun just revisiting some of it. Agreed, yes. And be on the lookout for our bonus episode coming soon. It's a little treat for you. We don't want to spoil it, but it's going to be in the same vein of the Thanksgiving episode, if that's any indication of what to expect. <laughs> and other than that, hope everyone has a good holiday. Yeah. Merry, Merry Xmas. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, thanks for listening. All right, peace. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.